And if you can wake up in revival every morning because you're loved by God, you're in covenant, your eyes are burning with fire, and you're becoming like Him every day through enjoying fellowship and intimacy with Him, casting off every lie and demonic thing from hell that would try to defile your conscience from walking face-to-face with Jesus, secured in the death, burial, and resurrection, going, man, Peter, how come you're so confident in His love? Because He died on the cross. I have covenant with Him. You are listening to the Braveheart Podcast. For more information about Braveheart Ministries, visit BraveheartMinistries.org. So we know Romans 6. What's Romans 6 trying to establish in our hearts? Yeah, we can be free from sin. We can live free from sin. Um... It says it like three times in Romans 6. The one who has died has been set free from sin. Uh, We're no longer under law but under grace. So sin will have no dominion over us. Um, Chapter 6 verse 22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. Okay? So... I'm just giving you a little context. We're going to hop in. Uh, Romans 6.22. But now that you have been set free from sin. So along our little scale here that we've been doing, we have salvation. We have grace. We have the works of Jesus that our faith is in, right? Righteous relationship. I told you this stuff is in your Bible. So he's saying, look. He says, now that you have been set free from sin, he's talking about salvation, right? That's salvation. You have been set free from sin. If you save a sinner, then then they're what? Got it? So, and, and we know that God's grace does that. And God's grace is attached to the works of Jesus when the person puts their faith in the works of Jesus, right? So he's saying... He's saying, okay, guys, look, uh, now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, relationship, he's, he's again using human language. If you go back up, he's just using real basic language. The fruit you get leads to sanctification. So sanctification is a fruit of relationship. Remember what I said on Tuesday? This sanctification flows from the life of Jesus through intimacy. Our sanctification is through intimacy. It's not connected to spiritual disciplines. Your spiritual disciplines serve your faith. If you want to know where your spiritual disciplines fit in, they are, they are to serve your faith. Spiritual disciplines serve faith. When I wake up every morning and I'm like, I'm going to read my Bible, I give myself an opportunity to grow in faith. When I wake up in the morning and I spend time with Jesus, I build my faith because I'm spending time with the living Jesus, right? Okay, so I just I want you guys to see where this happens. This spiritual disciplines won't sanctify me unless it leads me along the domino effect of faith. Faith is the only thing that connects me to God's power, which will save me, make me righteous, put me into right relationship with God and allow me to bear fruit for him. Yeah? All right, so 
Let's start in verse uh, Romans 7, chapter 1. I'm just going to read, and then I'm going to open this can of worms, and then y'all will not have any time to ask questions, and it'll be time to go. Or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. So I'm going to have some amazing art here. You have a woman. Okay. And she is married to this man. Okay. Some of y'all need to go on some more dates if y'all are talking like that. All right. So here you go. You've got, you've got this, this woman and this man. We've got to break this down. And, and they're married. Okay? So this is a marriage covenant, this circle here. So if this woman tries to have a relationship with this other man not in her marriage, it's considered adultery, right? That's what she's saying. That's what Paul's saying. That's adultery. Now watch. Let's, let's just unpack this analogy. She's bound by law. So there is, there is a law that's binding these two. It's the law of marriage. Okay? It's binding. And she's only bound to that man so long as he is alive. The law, the law hinges on him being alive. It, it's only in effect because he's alive. The law. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So as soon as he dies... She is free from this marriage. Okay, let's keep reading. I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible. It's all I'm doing, and I'm putting horrible stick figures. Somehow your faith is exploding. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. And if she marries another man after her husband dies, she is not an adulteress. So he gives us that sort of construct, and he goes, all right, likewise. So now he's going to bring this into the gospel. My brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now, everyone say, but now. now. We are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So I want you to see what he's saying here. He's saying, all right, here... Here's where we are. We're this woman. 
And, and we were born, and, and granted, he's talking, to, he's talking to Jews who had a relationship with the, the Hebraic law, like the, the, the law from Moses, right? So as Gentiles, we, don't, we weren't given that, that law. But here's what I call, there's a Gentile Christian law that many of us have grown up married to. And what I mean by Gentile Christian law is like the, the list of things that from your mom or dad from your church that you thought you had to do to be right with God. And it's, and it's different. The good thing about Israel is they had a uniform code. What's bad about the Gentile Christian law is it changes with every person. Some of you was like, man, you needed to read your Bible one hour today, go to church twice a week. Some of you, your conscience was clean if you just went once a week and you read your Bible once a week. It's real. Like not everyone, if I were to say, hey, what were the things that you were raised up believing that like, hey, a good Christian does this, I would get 60 different answers. And that thing has become a law that we had a relationship with inadvertently. We, 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 we had this relationship with the law. And, and, and here's what Paul's saying. <clears throat> if you're going to relate to God through the law, but then you come over here and try to spend time with Jesus, you're actually committing adultery with Jesus. And your law, your jealous husband, is saying, that's not allowed for you just to enjoy intimacy with Jesus. You have to go through me. If this, if this is the law... And if, you're, if you in this room are married, if you're devoted, if, if your relationship with God depends upon the law, what you do to be right with God, to have a relationship with God, to be intimate with God, if, if, if your closeness with God rests or relies upon what you do, the law, reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, going to Bible school, if your relationship with God depends on those things, if it depends on those things, and you come over here and you go, I'm going to come spend time with Jesus apart from the law, meaning I'm going to enjoy intimacy apart from all those things. The law says, uh-uh, come back, you're committing adultery. And he's saying this, he's saying the only way you can be free from that law is if you die through the body of Christ. And so then in that way, your marriage relationship with the law, with the old way of doing things, with relating to God based on a system of do's and don'ts. That's the simplest way to say it. The law for, the, for us is, is relating to God based on a system of do's and don'ts. He's saying, listen, the purpose of the cross and the burial was so that that marriage relationship could be broken. You could be raised to newness of life, that, 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 that old marriage broken, and now you can actually belong to Jesus in love. You can, you can be married to him and enjoy intimacy with him. And then guess what? It says you belong so you can bear fruit. I promise you, I told you that this is all in the Bible. You belong in relationship so that you can bear fruit. But before you can belong, you have to go from law to grace. Because the law can never save you. Israel, Israel didn't get any more sanctified by, by walking. They didn't get any more righteous. They, they couldn't attain righteousness through the law ever. And it was God's perfect law. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law biblically is spiritual, is spiritual it's right, and it's good. Any questions, thoughts on this? 
this make sense or no? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? When you're when you're married to the law, when you're 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 relying upon what you do to enjoy intimacy with God. <clears throat> so when people talk about that verse in the Gospels about abiding in the vine, is that basically what you're describing? Like abiding is like relationship with Him, and the fruit comes from that. Is that the same? Word? It's the same language that's used throughout the entire New Testament. Christ in me, and I'm in Him. There's this fellowship and this intimacy, and the reason most Christians don't experience that is because we, we, our faith has been in the law and our closeness to God has, has, has fluctuated based on how well we're doing. Faith bypasses all of that. There's a righteousness of faith that the gospel reveals that brings you into intimacy and belonging to Jesus. Doesn't matter where you're at. And, and here's the beautiful thing, is God in His mercy and His love as a father... He's, he's covenanted to sanctify you and to set you free. That's why he's not afraid to be close with you. He, he, he's okay with you being as close as ever by faith. Why? Because he knows that when you're close to him, he'll actually sanctify you and make you like his son. And it's the only way. If I'm in relationship with Jesus, a real one, and I love him, and he says, hey, son, I want you to go pray for someone. Hey, son, hey, hey, come, come I want to show you something in the scriptures. I'm not thinking of how much I'm doing to be right with God. I'm, my doing is in response to who He is and my relationship with Him. All of my doing comes out of my relationship with Him. Prayer, reading, discipline, sharing my faith, integrity, it all flows from connection to Him. Does that make sense? So I'm no longer measuring the, 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 all that I'm doing. I'm responding to the one my soul loves. It's a, it's a complete shift. But it takes faith in the renewal of the mind to think, wow, Jesus, you actually can be my friend today. You'll be, you'll be as intimate with me today by faith as you were with Moses and, and the men of old just because I believe in what you did and rest upon what you did. And he's like, yeah, that's the good news. That, that was meant to satisfy our souls and in, in, in to, in to put us in a place where, man, we would never be tempted with anything else. Like, we, we've made our calling, we've made the fruit that comes out of a relationship with God. We've said, this is calling. Well, I've, I'm called to be a worship leader. I don't know. I'm called to be an evangelist. I don't know that you are. I think you're called to be in relationship with God. That's your calling. That's, that's the calling of God. He says, hey, not many of you were noble when you received the calling. What was the calling? The calling was to be in relationship with God, knowing, knowing that when you're in relationship with God, you're going to bear this awesome fruit and have a fruitful ministry. And so people with the same callings have unified. All the worship leaders, all the apostles, all the prophets, evangelists, they've unified around their fruit instead of unified around their calling, which is their relationship with Jesus. What if we all understood that our calling collectively as the body of Christ was to maintain covenant, enjoy covenant, and that we could celebrate each other's varying fruits? Why? Because it's all coming from the same place, the same source, which is intimacy and belonging to Jesus. Verse 7, I'm going to do it. What then shall we say that, that the law is sin? Listen. The law is not sin by no means. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. 
So this is important to note that in this relationship with the law, it exposed sin in the flesh. If hear this, because Israel, this is Israel now, this woman, and this was the the Mosaic law. He's saying this Mosaic law, it, it revealed sin in my flesh with Gentiles who had no law. They were, not, they were not married to law. They had no concept of what was wrong. So they were doing things that Israel was doing that was defiling Israel's conscience, but the Gentiles weren't having their consciences defiled. They were eating pork and it wasn't bothering them. Why? Because they, they had no one telling them it was wrong. The Bible says sin is not accounted for where there's no law. They, didn't, they couldn't know, Gentiles couldn't know what sin was according to God without the law. That's why the law was important. Because it, it, it caused them to go, it caused Israel to go, man, I need, I need help, right? So let's keep reading. Uh, I would not have known what it is to covet had the law not said you shall not covet. But sin, look at this, seizing an opportunity through the commandment or the law produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. This is now tying back into Romans 6.14, for sin will have no dominion or power over you. Why? Because you're not under law, you're under grace. So where there's no law, sin lies dead, meaning sinfulness and sin dies when there's no command to tell it what to do and not to do. Sin only has power when someone says, don't do this or do this. Sin can only have power in that environment that is governed and ruled by the law, which is why if you try to have a relationship with God through the law, sin will always be empowered. The Bible says he's the savior of all men, especially those who believe. He doesn't need to die again for the sins of the world. He has saved humanity with his blood. Whether they experience it or not is a different story. The gift has been given. The gift has been given. It will never be taken back. He doesn't, when someone gets born again, he's not giving another gift. Okay, now I'm going to give them. No, the gift has been given. God's not, listen, this is so important. God, we we talk about revival. We're waiting on God for revival. God's done everything needed for revival. He gave us his son and the Holy Spirit. There's nothing left. The only thing left remaining, the revival, all, we, we, revival, I don't even think revival is biblical. I'm sorry, I shouldn't. We only say revival because stuff has died. But the normal Christian life, there was no revival. There's nothing to revive. It was just alive. The gospel made people alive to God. The gospel is revival. Now, I get it. There's sovereign moments and times when God pours out his spirit and we experience a collective revival. I understand. But, and we need revival today. Unfortunately, we need revival because we've died. We, we, we've, we've withered on the vine because we don't know how to abide. So, so this is why your faith is of greater worth than gold because it connects you to revival himself. His name's Jesus. 
And if you can wake up in revival every morning because you're loved by God, you're in covenant, your eyes are burning with fire, and you're becoming like Him every day through enjoying fellowship and intimacy with Him, casting off every lie and demonic thing from hell that would try to defile your conscience from walking face-to-face with Jesus, secured in the death, burial, and resurrection, going, man, Peter, how come you're so confident in His love? Because He died on the cross. I have covenant with Him. Peter, why are you so intense? Why why do you you always just go right in and, and do this because he's coming back because I, I, I my heart is tethered to his appearing and I'm like man I have 20 minutes here to go man let's go like I, that's why I'm intense that that's that's the reality of a, of a heart that's grounded in the gospel is there's this confidence in his love there's this fire in your eyes and every person before you is precious to God it's no longer well I need to you know I need to share my faith Ooh. Gosh, I got to go, you know, I got to pray for someone. I got to No, if you're in covenant with Jesus and your heart's connected to his return and you're empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's living his life through you, man, it's just an overcoming different life. So, apart from the law, sin sin lies dead. Look, verse 9. Paul says, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, 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 for sin, seizing an opportunity through the law. Sin interfaces or connects with the law. You, tech, you technical geeks, you know what API is? It's the sin and the law connect, and that produces death in the human. Okay? Those two things. So when you remove law, sin lies dead, and there you have just us. Okay, this is what he's saying. Now, verse 11, for sin, verse 12, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. Look, it was sin producing death in me that through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Look, for we know that the law is spiritual. Now, this is what I want to I help you. But I am of the flesh sold under sin. Okay, wait a minute, Paul. I thought I was dead to sin. Look what he says. For I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's saying, I, Paul, don't do what I want. So here's someone that's doing, and here's someone that's wanting. And he's saying these are two different eyes. This I, Paul, doesn't want to do it, but this I, Paul, is doing it. So he's, he's saying, okay, well, there's, two, there's two parts of me. I, Paul, I'm doing something, but I, Paul, don't want to do that. Okay? Watch, 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 watch. 16. Now, if I do what I do not want, if I, my old man, does what I, my new man, does not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So he's saying, look, I'm going to put new man, my new man. I, new man, Paul, an old man, Paul. I, new man, Paul, agrees with the law. He goes, man, I, my new self is in full agreement with the law. I, of course, want to walk righteously. But my old man is doing what it's not supposed to do. And I hate that. So now, look at this, verse 17. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Hold on, Paul. He's saying, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. 
<laughs> right? Hey, hey, I'm coveting this coffee. And y'all are like, hey, y'all shouldn't have done it. I'm like, no, no, that wasn't me. You're like, no, 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 hold on, brother. You need to take ownership for your sin. No, I don't. It wasn't me. That was sin dwelling in me aroused by the law. So what's Paul doing in Romans 7? He's teaching you, if Romans 6 says you're dead to sin, you no longer have an obligation to sin, you're free from sin, Romans 7 is teaching you to divorce yourself in your mind from your sinful nature, put it to death, going, no, 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 that's no longer me. That sin, that sin still, that, that's that old pattern and mindset still dwelling in me. I'm going to be alive to God. Because I agree with the law is good, and I'm going to walk righteously, and I don't want that coffee because I'm a whole righteous man. You with me? I hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast. For more resources, visit BraveheartMinistries.org.